This is KMTT. The week begins this uh, winter, Tavshin Ayn, with a shiur by Harav Benjamin Tavori, a series, weekly series, on uh, modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic. Harav Benjamin Tavori. This year, while we have been discussing the poskim and the chuvos of the 20th century, there were some cases where I felt it was important to introduce the posek and tell a little bit about him. In other cases, I just felt the basic details of his life should be mentioned. One of the examples of someone whose name needs no elaboration at all is Reb Shlomo Zaman Orbach, who wrote the volumes Minchas Shlomo. The pictures and description of his funeral should be enough to describe to anyone how much Rabbi Shlomo Zalman was loved and appreciated by everyone. The entire gamut of Israeli society, whether they be Haredim, Chiloniim, Sionim Datiyim, it was famous that even the fame, many, many taxi drivers, people who just saw Rabbi Shlomo Zaman on the street, came to the Vaya. He was known not only as a major, great Tamit Chacham and but he was really just a very nice person who was so friendly to everyone. Rav Lichtenstein, in a hesped that he gave Rabbi Shlomo Zaman, paraphrased someone else, and said about Reb Shlomo Zalman, had he not known how to learn, had he not known anything at all, he still would have been the the most uh, finest person, the best person in Yerushalayim. Rev Shlomo Zalman was so well-liked and so well-loved that a number of books have come out about him describing many incidents in his life. Many of his psakim were noted. One of the svarim is called Rabbeinu Hagadol. Another sefer is called Va'alehu Loyibol. Another sefer is called HaTorah HaMesamachat. When I was looking over these books before this broadcast, I found another sefer that I had not heard of before called Chikomam Takim which is a description of stories, of customs of Reb Shlomo Zalman. One of the things that I found in this particular sefer that I'd like to mention is last week when we discussed the Rav Tzitz Eliezer, the Rav Eliezer Waldenberg, we raised the question whether you could daven in a mosque. And we pointed out that uh, Rav Avadji Yosef wrote a tshuva saying that it's certainly permitted, and he argued with Rav Waldenberg, who said that it was not permitted. In the Sefer, Chikam Mabtakim, they quote that the Rav Shlomo Zalman himself came to Marat HaMachpilah, davened in Ulam Yitzchak, even though it is a mask. In the footnotes, it says there 
that the author himself saw Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Davenir. He quotes a book that <coughs> tells the same story, but he adds that Rav Kanievsky, the discipler, the Kielas Yaakov, paskind that you should not daven in Mar Samach Pela because it serves as a mask. Then he quotes there are other people who said it is permitted, but indeed we found uh, the a quotation, a citation that the stipler pr- prohibited davening Mar Samach Pela. To go back to Abshalom Zamnin, he was born in Tammuz of Tafresh Ayim. That means almost a hundred years ago in Shari Chesed. His father was Harav HaGon of Chaim Yehuda Orbach, who was the Rosh Hashiva of Shari Shemaim. Rav Shlomo Zaman learned in Eitz Chaim, I had the zchus of knowing the Rav of Padishchana, Rav Chaim Yaakov Levin, who was the son of Rabari Levin. He would tell me about Rav Shlomo Zaman in his youth. When Rav Chaim Yaakov was young, he entered the class of Rav Shlomo Zalman in Eitz Chaim. He was a little bit younger than some of the other students, and the other students somehow shunned Rav Chaim Yaakov. He was a new addition to the class who was a little younger than the others, and they did not make an effort to be friendly with him. The only one, he said, who was really nice to him and friendly was the young Rav Shlomo Zalman, who became his Chavrusa. In fact, when Rav Levin was nifter, I went to Padishchana to be Menachem Aval, and when I walked into the house, Rav Shlomo Zaman was just walking out. He had come especially from Yerushalayim to be Menachem Aval. If I'm not mistaken, that was the first time I saw Rav Shlomo Zaman in my life. When Rav Shlomo Zaman was young, he was known, of course, as a great masmid, and became quickly known as a big time Chacham. He wrote a sefer, Maore Eish, to describe the issues of electricity in which he took a position at a young age against other gedolim in his understanding of electricity. In order to write the sefer, he also studied very carefully the physical facts of electricity. Interestingly enough, the sefer is uh, not a very uh, large sefer in size, but this year a new edition came out where the Sefer Maresh is expanded and elaborated in many, many editions uh, to the original Maresh. Today it came out in two volumes. He also published Sfarim on issues of Zra'im and Eretz Yisrael, namely he wrote Ma'adanei Eretz, on Shvi'it, another volume on Trumot. The Svarim, to quote something that I heard from Rav Lichtenstein, show total control of the areas of Seder Zraim. When he was young, he wrote comments on the Shev Shmeitzer and had a Sefer ready to be printed of Shev Shmeitzer with his comments. For reasons that were told to him and suggested by other people. He did not print that Sefer in his youth. Later on, much later on, the Sefer was printed. We do have today a Shev Shmeitzer with the Ha'arot of Rabbi Shlomo Zalman. 
he became a Magid Shir in Kol Torah. While he was Magid Shir, he was appointed as the Rosh Hashiva of Kol Torah, and he gave the Bechinas in the Yeshiva of Kol Torah. He was the guiding and leading force of the Yeshiva. But more than that, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman was the Posek Hador. In Eretz Yisrael, he was considered the Posek, and of course, that's not an official position. People came to him all the time. Very often, he used to tell people not to go to him, go to the local Rabbanim. And nevertheless, people found their way to Shari Chesed, to his house, and he never would turn people down and would became the posek of Eretz Yisrael. Rav Shlomo Zalman lived in Shari Chesed his entire life. A Shari Chesed person. Tsanua, very modest. Very rarely did he say anything about himself at all, but used to defer to many other Gedolim. The volumes that we'll discuss today are the Svayim, three volumes of Mincha Shlomo that were printed in different, the first volume was printed originally, then later on two more volumes. Today, there is a new edition of the Mincha Shlomo, which divided the issues more in the order of combining both volumes by topic. Many of the tshuvas deal with issues relating to electricity, issues relating to zra'im, to chaklaut, to agriculture in Eretz Israel, but we will deal with some of the other types of questions. Some of them are a little bit interesting in terms of uh, curios. And some of them, of course, became very important in the world of Psak. The first question that I'd like to discuss is the last question that's printed in the Mincha Shlomo Chelek Aleph. The discussion was with the Rav Humaner, what brachas do we make when Mashiach will come? I felt that this question, to the best of my knowledge, had not been discussed in other Svarim of Sheilos and Shuvos, putting it into a Sefer of Sheilos and Shuvos, dealing with it, somehow reflects the concept of Sipisa Yeshua. One of the questions that the Gemara says in Shabbos, that a person is asked in Bezdin Shamala, is Sipisa Yeshua. And part of the Tzipisa Yeshua is not only to sit back passively and wait for Mashiach to come, but to eagerly anticipate Mashiach, and therefore it's somewhat within the realm of Tzipisa Yeshua to discuss when Mashiach comes, what will actually happen? What brachas will we make? Rav Humaner discussed the question of the brachas, and he pointed out that the first bracha he thinks you'll make is Baruch Chacham Arazim. The Gemara in Shabbos, in the brachas, has a din that when you come and see Klal Yisrael, and of course the number of Klal Yisrael is recognized as 600,000 people, then you make a special bracha, Baruch Chacham Arazim. 
Rashi explains that that bracha refers to the understanding to someone who a chacham who can understand the different mentality of so many people understand the situation of each individual although there is such a great <coughs> crowd of 600,000 people. Now, the assumption is that when Mashiach comes, so Klal Yisrael will come to greet Mashiach. In such a case, the bracha that's not specifically given for Mashiach, but the bracha on such a ma'amad, on such a crowd gathering, would be in place, and you'd make the bracha chacham arazim. Interesting to note is that the Rambam paskind that the bracha chacham arazim is said when you see 600,000 Jews in Eretz Yisrael. Well, for our purpose, the assumption, of course, is Mashiach will come to Eretz Yisrael and 600,000 Jews will come. So therefore, that's the time would be appropriate to make such a bracha. What is just the interesting point is the Ram thinks even if there would be such a crowd, not necessarily to do with Mashiach, but if there would be a crowd of 600,000 Jews in Chutzaretz, that would not be considered an event worthy of such a bracha. Apparently the concept of Klai Yisrael can only exist <coughs> in Eretz Yisrael. The second bracha that should be made when you see Mashiach is assuming Melech HaMashiach is, are two different titles. Mashiach will be a Tamit Chacham. The Ramam describes that he'll know how to judge, he'll sense things, he'll understand everything. And therefore, he will be a great Tamit Chacham. And we know the bracha, when you see great Tamit Chacham, is Baruch Shechalak Michochmato Lirayav. Also, the Rambam's Girsa, the Rambam's Nusach, could be a little different. Baruch Shenatan Mechochmato Lirayav. The bracha, upon seeing it, great Tamit Chacham, applies to any Tamit Chacham. I have the feeling today that hardly anybody makes that bracha. And I always wondered, why is it that people don't make the bracha? Perhaps it's difficult for people to decide who indeed is considered a Tamit Chacham that's appropriate to make such a bracha upon. I once said, rather uh, casually, that if you ask a Tamit Chacham if you can make a bracha over him, the general answer would be no. And I myself would be a little bit leery of someone who said, yes, yes, you can make the bracha over me. The assumption, of course, that this question would not apply to Mashiach, and certainly you could make the bracha. The other bracha, the third bracha that you would make, is since a Mashiach is Melech, Melech HaMashiach, well, we have a bracha when we make a Jewish king. Again, the Gemara says the bracha is Baruch Shechalak Mi Kvodo Lireav. And the Rambam's text would be Baruch Shenatan Mi Chochmato Lireav. But that bracha would be made on Melech HaMashiach. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman here discussed the issue if you could combine both brachas. Should you say Baruch Shechalak Mikvodo Umichochmato Lireav? According to the Ram, Shenatan Mikvodo Mikvodo Lireav. And Rabbi Shlomo Zalman discussed in this tshuva certain cases where we combine brachas, 
for example, when we're mafish, chumos and masros, you can be mitzare if you can make one bracha for chumos and masros. But he said there might be a distinction between this case and that case, and therefore this might be a deviation from the text of Chachamim and Brachas, and a, a discussion inv- was involved. The story is told about one of the great Gedolim. If I'm not mistaken, I heard it about Reb Chaim, that he was asked, the Rambam formulates in the his Pirusha Mishnayis in the tenth parak of Sanhedrin, Perak Chelek, the Ram there formulated the thirteen principles of faith. Yud Gimelikarim. One of the Yud Gimelikarim, we paraphrase it, of course, in the Animamins that we say, or some people say, after davening daily. Animamin bemunah shleima bevias hamashiach v'avah pishi yismameyim kozachakelo b'choyim sheyavo. So that means we anticipate, we wait for Mashiach b'choyim sheyavo. And the way it was interpreted generally is that every single day a person should think Mashiach could come at any moment now. But Reb Chaim was asked, there is a Gemara that says there are certain days where Mashiach will not come. Inasmuch as that is true, how could someone paskin that you must believe in Biyasa Mashiach B'chol Yom when we know there are certain days Mashiach will not come? Reb Chaim's answer was we really have to accept the Rambam to believe in Mashiach, to anticipate the coming of Mashiach B'choyom Sheyavo. As to your question, how could this possibly be? So you're right. It's a very good question. When Mashiach comes, he'll answer that question as well. I could I could say in the same vein that the discussion, if we make two brachas, so one bracha, we can ask Mashiach when he comes, and Mashiach will give us the answer to this question as well. We've already discussed the three brachas that you make when Mashiach comes. What about a fourth bracha? The fourth bracha would be Shechianu. They just mention casually you make Shechianu. I question whether they really meant to make Shechianu or Atov HaMeitiv. Generally we say Atov HaMeitiv, when something is good, not just for you, but good for everyone. Generally, Shechianu is made when something specifically for the person involved. So the uh, din of, of Mashiach coming, well, they mentioned uh, Shechianu, but uh, perhaps uh, really it would be appropriate to make Hatov HaMetiv. In any case, the psak was that you do make four brachas when Mashiach comes, and as I said, Mashiach can himself resolve any issues that are involved. In the laws of Brachos, one of the famous statements of Rabbi Shlomo Zalman, which reflects original thinking in one hand, and the unique qualities of Rabbi Shlomo Zalman in another hand, on the other hand, was a discussion of what Bracha you should make on chocolate. Now, it seems that everybody feels that on chocolate a person should make a Bracha Shahako. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman pointed out the chocolate basically is cocoa, which is, comes from a tree. And therefore, it seems logical that if most of it is chocolate, if the major ingredient is chocolate, is cocoa, then you should make a bracha, and it seems that Rabbi Shlomo Zaman really did paskin that on chocolate a person should make This reflects, in a sense, the original thinking of Rabbi Shlomo Zaman. But a story is told about him in one of the books that I mentioned before, 
an interesting event that happened with Reb Shlomo Zalman and his grandchildren. One of his grandchildren came to the house and Reb Shlomo Zalman gave him some chocolate. The young fellow asked Reb Shlomo Zalman what bracha should he make on the chocolate? So Reb Shlomo Zalman said, go ask my wife. Go ask the Rebetzin. And of course, she had the custom, which I think is the general custom, and she told him of making shakal, and she told him to say shakal. It seems from the story that Reb Shlomo Zalman did not want to tell his grandchild, his grandchild something so unusual to make a bar prayer when everybody else would make shakal, he might not understand. On one hand, Reb Shlomo Zalman didn't want to tell himself to make shakal because he really felt you should make a bracha bar prayer but not to confuse the child and not to have him deviate from common practice, he told him to ask the, his wife, who really did say to make the bracha shehako. Another question that I would like to discuss is a question that to me personally was very relevant. Shlomo Zaman was asked, on what day do you read the Megillah in Enkarim. The hospital Hadassah, which is in Enkarim, is rather far from the city of Yerushalayim, specifically from the city Hambukefes Choma Bimas Yerushalayim, from the old city of Yerushalayim. Now, the criteria in general are that a city which is Samuch Venira to the city which has a wall around it, to the Hambukefes Choma, has a din of the Imu Kefes Chama. Now, I always wondered, how far does Samach Venira go? How contiguous or continuous does this extension have to be to be considered part, or at least Samach Venira, to the Imu Kefes Chama? There's a tradition in Yerushalayim from people who lived there years ago that the community of Eitz Chaim, which is across the street from the modern Eged, is the very end of Yerushalayim. In fact, in the shul, Eitz Chaim, there's a little small community, really on the corner of Rechov Yafo, just before uh, you turn left to go towards the area of Bayit Vagan, to, to Bet HaKerem, to Kiyat Moshe, there is a little shechuna called Eitz Chaim. And there's a small shul in that shechuna. The shechuna was built by Montefiore, in the, I assume, the beginning of the 20th century. And they had a tradition that that was the end of Yerushalayim, and in that shul in Eitz Chaim, they read the Megillah on the 14th. They did not think they were Samach Vanira, they felt that was the end of Yerushalayim. In fact, at least till a few years ago, maybe even today, they still exist, the minion in Eitz Chaim, which reads the Megillah on the 14th. However, of course, in the past few decades, the areas of Kiyat Moshe, Bait, Beit HaKerem, Bait Vagan were all built. And there the question was asked, in those communities, when do you read the Megillah? Do you read the Megillah on the 14th or the 15th? I had friends who lived in, Beit in, in Bait Vagan who actually were not sure about this and read the Megillah both on the 14th and the 15th. But here we're talking about Enkarim, which is even further so Rabbi Shlomo Zalman said that the 
concept of a city exists for Bet HaKerem, for, for, for uh, Ein Karem, for the hospital as well, and it's considered part of Yerushalayim, and you read the Megillah on the 15th. It's considered, Samach Vanira, it's considered part of Yerushalayim. He argued from the laws of Tchumin, which I'm not going to go into details, but he did add one more point, which I think is very relevant. He said, Hadassah, the hospital, is a necessity in the city of Yerushalayim. People who have reasons to go to the hospital go to Hadassah and Karim. So therefore, it is con- considered part of the, of the city because it's a hospital. And therefore, Rabbi Shemuel Zalman Paskind, you read the Megillah on the 15th in Enkarim. Now, I was in the hospital once, years ago, in Enkarim. The issue came up. I didn't know the various psakim of the Gdolim, but in the hospital, the rabbi of the hospital told me to read the Megillah on the 15th, and that's what I did. When I saw the tshuva of Shlomo Zalman, so he said that you really, indeed, the halacha is to read the Megillah on the 15th. However, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman pointed out that he himself had been in the hospital once on Purim, in Ein Karim, and he was machmir to read the Megillah on the 14th and the 15th. He did not say this must be a normative practice. He did not tell everybody to keep read the Megillah two days. He said to, that the psak would be on the 15th, but he himself was machmir. One of the people that wrote about Reb Shlomo Zalman in one of the books that I mentioned above said that Reb Shlomo Zalman did, was machmir once upon a time, many years ago, when he himself was in the hospital. However, today, where the entire city of Yerushalayim is built and Enkayim is almost contiguous to the houses from the Ir Mukeves Choma until Enkayim, he feels that Reb Shlomo Zalman wouldn't have even done this Chumrah for himself. In any case, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Paskind, that you do read the Megillah on the 15th, in Enkarim. One of the issues that, of course, had been an issue for many, many years, but has perhaps somewhat changed in modern years, is the question of keeping two days of Yantif for people who are tourists to Eretz Israel. Once upon a time, of course, people didn't come that often. People came occasionally to Eretz Yisrael and they were here for a Yom Tov and the question was, do they keep two days or one day? And of course, various poskim argued this issue. Some say you should keep two days, some say you should keep one day and some were machmi and said you should keep the concept of a day and a half. Rabbi Shlomo Zaman referred specifically to a case which it became a modern situation. In fact, I know many people who have this issue for themselves. There are people who really live in Chutzarts, spend over 300 days a year in Chutzarts, have a home in Chutzarts, but nevertheless, they bought apartments in Eretz Yisrael and come to Eretz Yisrael every single Yom Tov of Shlosh That means they're here, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. They also own an apartment here. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Paskin, in such a case, they should keep only one day Yom Tov. Even though it seems that 
perhaps from Shlomo Zaman himself, and certainly many other poskim felt that in general, a person should be machmir, un yom tov sheni, but in a case where the person comes for yom tov to Eretz Yisrael, every yom tov and has an apartment in Eretz Yisrael, he is considered a ben Eretz Yisrael for the purpose of yom tov. Shlomo Zaman said the fact that he has to travel, perhaps there won't be plane tickets available, perhaps there won't be room on the plane, the day that I'm broadcasting, I'm taping this particular shear, we are aware of a certain situation that occurred last week in England and Europe, where people couldn't travel, not because of any human event, but there was this cloud that covered Europe and people we're not allowed to fly, so in such a case, you'd be told about Asachim, you couldn't, you couldn't come. Nevertheless, Rabbi Shalom Zaman Paskin, for the purpose of, of Yom Tov Sheini, this person is a Ben Eretz Yisrael and should keep one day. Interestingly enough, where some poskim might say, in such a case, well, at least you can be Machmir, Rabbi Shalom Zaman said, you do not have to be Machmir at all. I Paskin one day and you can do Malacha Yom Tov Sheini. He did add, if somebody wants to be Machmir, then Reb Shlomo Zaman said, you know, he could be Machmir if he likes, but certainly not in the areas of uh, davening, and certainly not in the areas of Kiddush and Havdalah. Reb Shlomo Zaman said he cannot um, daven Tfilas Yom Tov, he could, should not make Kiddush, he should make Havdalah, and he should he could do malacha, but in that area, of course, if you want to be machmiyat to malacha, you know, you could be. But in, for example, putting on tefillin, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman insisted that he would put on tefillin on Yom Tov Sheini. Uh, a quick, another issue that occurred on Yom Tov Sheini was, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman was asked, if a person does keep a second day Yom Tov in Israel, would he be allowed to tell an Israeli to do malacha for him on Yom Tov Sheini? And Rabbi Shlomo Zalman, Bekoach Deheteira, said it certainly is permitted. And he goes to an entire discussion that you never found a din of Amir Ali Yisrael. There's no Easter to tell a Jew to do Malacha. When I accepted Yom Tov Sheini, I accepted for myself Yom Tov Sheini. I didn't say for anybody else it's Yom Tov Sheini. I didn't accept upon myself anything but Easter Malacha. So therefore, I didn't accept it for myself telling another Jew who is allowed to do Malacha. I know he's allowed to do Malacha. I did not accept upon myself the Easter of uh, talking to him, of asking him to do Malacha for me. And Rav Shlomo Zaman compared it to a person who accepts Shabbos early. That topic itself requires more analysis. If a person who accepts Shabbos early, he would be allowed to tell his Israeli friend to do, to a, a, not Israeli here, a person who did not accept Shabbos early. A person who accepted Shabbos early could tell a person who did not accept Shabbos early to do Malachafim. Rabbi Shalom Zaman said that it was perfectly permitted and there was no question at all. Amir Ali Yisrael does not apply on Yom Tov Shaining.